it's Easter. I love Easter. Uh, for years, I have really appreciated the holiday of Easter. I mean, it's, it's a, as an adult, I've appreciated it for what I believe it is, which is the celebration of Jesus and all that stuff. And, and actually, that's what we're here to talk about today, obviously. But as a kid, uh, I don't think I picked up on that so quick. In fact, it took me a long time to really understand Easter. Uh, for me, for a long time, Easter was about something else. It was about one of these. I got one right here. I had my daughter make me one for this. Thank you, Savannah. You rock. Appreciate that. Easter basket. Look, we got we got Easter eggs because that's how we roll at the Woolard house. We got Easter eggs at the house. Uh, she put a little bunny rabbit in there. Thank you for that. You got to have some Starburst jelly beans. I wish they had these when I was a kid. The jelly beans we had were like atrocious. I don't know what those things were about. But for me, the most exciting part about Easter was the baskets I got specifically from one of my grandmas, Nanny. Nanny every year got me a new He-Man action figure. Remember these guys? This is, this is the real deal. Listen, something rattled loose inside of him. Uh, but this guy, I apologize for his attire. Uh, when you got that many muscles, you just can't wear a shirt. He's got on like furry underwear and boots. That's how he rocks. But um, this is He-Man. Masters of the Universe. Coolest toy ever. Where's my 80s kids at? Y'all feeling this? That's right. Uh, as this thing aged out, uh, eventually it was Ninja Turtles my grandma would give me in the Easter basket. She always had cool toys in there. I looked forward to it. It was like a miniature Christmas. As I got older, it was money which is even better. And so Easter baskets. Uh, I celebrated Easter in the way that I think a lot of us do. It's a cool spring holiday. And what that meant that was that my mom was going to make, uh, you know, she was going to make the spiral cut ham, as, as she always did, and deviled eggs. Or we were going to go to Easter egg hunts, and, and, and someone was going to wear a pink shirt because real men wear pink and all that stuff, right? And I was raised in church, and I understood the Jesus story. In fact, I believed it. We went to the sunrise services on Sunday mornings, on Easter Sunday. We sang the songs about the resurrection. Up from the grave he arose. All-time classic, by the way. I love that song. But it didn't ever click for me the true importance of the resurrection. and What that meant to me personally. So we've been in this teaching series called Of First importance. And the idea is basically unpacking this passage from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, that basically says the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is of first importance. Like nothing else is more important than this. And we've been talking about that. Maybe you've missed the first two weeks. That's totally fine. First, you can catch up on our podcast. The videos from the last week are posted on YouTube and on Facebook. But guess what? You don't even have to catch up because today's message is the star. This is the point. This is the main take-home of this whole passage. It is about the value of the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. So to get there, what we're going to do, we've been kind of uh, dipping in and out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but today we're going to go in in full force. We're going to get to a big chunk of it today and really unpack it. So if you've got a Bible, open that puppy up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to be reading starting at the very first verse, verse 1, and we're going to read through 1 Corinthians 15, a big chunk of it, uh, and unpack it today because it's, it's strong. And why does the resurrection matter to me? Well, let's find out. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you, otherwise, you have believed it in vain. Now, I love that Paul says here, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Like he's like, I already told you this before, but he knows that we all need reminders. And 
that word gospel, it just it's it was the code word for the good news about Jesus, the whole story of Jesus, God coming to earth, giving his his life, and that we can accept him and have eternal life through him. Like all this, it was all boiled down to the concept of the gospel or the good news. He said, I want to remind you of this. And so the rest of chapter 15 is a reminder of why this is important. And so we keep going in verse three. This has been our anchor passage right here. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And so that has been kind of our anchor passage for this whole series. This first audience that would have heard this letter, it was originally written as a letter to the church at Corinth. Uh, they were, though they were in Corinth, which was a Greek city, they were primarily of a Jewish background, most of them. And so Paul starts off with something that would really relate to this Jewish audience. Um, one of the most important things in a Jewish person's life, especially in those days, was Scripture. I mean, they said things like, I love Scripture, and that Scripture is like a sweet taste on my mouth, and, and Scripture is, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Like, it guides our life. And so Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach you, and I want to let you know, I want to remind you that all of it was prophesied in your Scripture, and that this Jesus that we proclaim as the Messiah, he was talked about in your Scripture. And so for a Jewish person, that was a very good like evidence for why Jesus was important to them because their ancestors and their religious heritage all kind of pointed to this Messiah figure and Jesus fit the bill for all of the things that he was you know predicted to be and so this is a great reminder for us as well that like Jesus's story was all something based in scripture and and that's really powerful as what we call an apologetic and apologetic is kind of an evidence an evidence to like believe something it's a legal term that you use like in a court of law like to, sh to present your your evidence but the thing is that Paul also recognizes that not everyone is going to get a lot of evidence from Scripture. I mean, maybe you're one who's like, well, I don't know if I really, I really get Scripture that much. I'm going to look at this old ancient text. So he turns next to another apologetic, which is a very legally binding apologetic, eyewitnesses. We keep reading there uh, in verse 5, we're going to talk about eyewitnesses. But before we do that, I want to just say a word to you. Like, you might be in a place right now where... You're watching this service, but you're still a little bit uncertain about what you think about Jesus. You're specifically not convinced. Maybe you're a little skeptical of the resurrection. Like, did it really happen? Like people don't raise from the dead. And a couple things I want to say to you. First of all, I'm so glad you're here. I'm, I'm pumped that you're here. I'm glad that you're hanging out with us, and I can't wait to meet you face-to-face, uh, -face, or if I already know you, to keep building a friendship with you. Um, I also want to let you know that it's okay. It's okay to have doubts. And to be skeptical. Some of Jesus' closest friends were very skeptical of the resurrection at first. Until, and we're going to find out in just a minute, why their minds changed. But uh, continue this journey. I want to encourage you to continue this journey. And, and uh, feel free to continue it with us. Uh, this is a safe place. And so, by all means. Um, so I wanted to say that. But the first real apologetic that Paul gets into is these eyewitnesses. So verse 5, he just jumps right in. He says, And that he, Jesus, after the resurrection appeared to Cephas, that's another name for the Apostle Peter, so he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, this is Paul talking, as to one abnormally born. Basically he's saying, I was late to the party. <laughs> I came later. Jesus 
died, and that was really well attested. I mean, it was, it was public knowledge. It was court record. Like, it, it happened. But after the death and the burial, something bizarre began to happen. Jesus began to appear to people. And he appeared to them one-on-one. And he appeared to them in small groups. And he appeared to them in large groups. Some of them in groups of hundreds. And this list that, that we just read is really important because in that list are a variety of people. Like significant people in, in Jesus' little entourage, the apostles. Groups of people. Some of them skeptics like James. And it's like Jesus was a show up to a wide variety of people because he wants you to know, like, I'm here. I'm really here, and there needs to be proof of this. I'm so glad that he did that. And then something even more crazy happens. A large percentage of these people that he lists, which, by the way, he says, and most of them are still alive if you want to check with them, and people did. A large percentage of these people then go on to give their lives on the belief that they saw Jesus risen from the dead, that they witnessed a resurrected Jesus. In fact, to a person, every single one of the original apostles died a martyr's death because of their belief that Jesus rose from the dead. And remember, this is the same group of guys that we talked about last week, if you were here. Uh, These are the guys who, after Jesus was arrested and he was about to be crucified, where were the apostles? They were gone. They split. They were in hiding because they were scared that the same people who arrested and were about to kill Jesus would then arrest and kill them. They were scared, but something happened. When Jesus showed up and he was in their presence and they spoke to him, the word that's most often used to describe the apostles after they saw the resurrected Jesus is this, bold. They became bold. Here's a pro tip, pro tip from the apostles. If you talk to someone who has recently risen from the dead by their own power, you should listen to them. That's what the apostles learned. They saw God in the flesh risen from the dead and they said, I'm not scared anymore. And this became the battle cry of the early church. The the battle cry was that Jesus brings resurrection. That's That's the word they used. And they centered their weekly gatherings around this meal that we now call communion. In some traditions, it's called the the Eucharist. But it was uh, a meal that they shared that celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, it was so central to their belief uh, and their faith that these Jewish Christians who had typically made Saturday their their holy day of worship, and they still observed Sabbath, uh, they did. But they made Sunday a day of worship because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The idea of the resurrection becomes the heartbeat of what the early Christians believe, and it's fundamental and foundational of first importance to what the Christian faith is, even still today. The resurrection of Jesus is the most important element in our faith. So let's get back to our passage. We're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, now verse 12. It says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection from the dead? Okay, so real quick. It was central to the early Christians' faith, but there were some who were saying, wait, 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 there is no resurrection from the dead. And believe me, that's a whole different topic we could talk about for hours, but this is this is encapsulated in this little passage here. There are some people who are saying, I don't believe in the resurrection. So, but, so Paul goes on and says that. Well, listen, in verse 13, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, well, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, 
we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Jesus' resurrection is not just a footnote in world religions. It's not just like, yeah, and the Christians believe this. It is the beating heart of our faith, Jesus' resurrection. So this is the question today. Why is the resurrection such a big deal? Think about it. Why is the resurrection such a big deal? Um, I want to answer that question with a couple of other questions, and then we're going to land on what I think is a really good faith-building thing today. Let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, have you heard of COVID-19? <laughs> of course you have. Um, here's the question. Was COVID-19 a big deal before it came to America? Was it? Yes. Unquestionably, yes. It was a huge deal. We were hearing about this mysterious virus in China. It was, you know, flights were getting canceled. These other things were happening. It, it was a big deal, but did it really have that much effect on your life? Not really. Not, not if you're the average American. And at least most of us were completely unaffected. You might have had a loved one over there. You have some other interest over in China. But for the most part, most of us were not affected at all. You, you went to school. Uh, you went to work. You hugged people. Um, it was fine. COVID-19 was still a big deal, but because it didn't impact my life, I didn't think about it at all, and I didn't make any adjustments to my life based on it. Okay, here's the next question. Is COVID-19 a big deal to you now? Of course it is. Of course it is. Like, no matter your stance on it, whether you think we're going too far, or we haven't gone far enough, or all these different things, the reality is it has affected your life, period. What's the difference? Same virus, same dangers and whatever. Why, why weren't we doing more back then when it was just in China and as it was creeping into other countries? Why didn't we care so much then? Why? It's a simple answer. This is the simple answer because that's just how it is. Like if stuff's not directly around me, out of sight, out of mind, I'm not thinking about it. Isn't that true? But then when it, when it invades my neighborhood, now I'm thinking about it. So we all understand that. So let me draw the analogy. This is not a sermon about COVID-19. I know we're sick of hearing about it, but I think this is a perfect picture of why is the resurrection a big deal? So is the resurrection a big deal in your life? Is it a big deal in your life? Well, if to you the resurrection is just a story about an obscure Middle Eastern rabbi from 2,000 years ago, no. It can't be a big deal in your life. Like you might be sentimental about it. You might have some ancient documents hanging on your wall. Like you might be a collector, but like odds are good it's not a big deal. You're not making any adjustments in your life because of it. If it's just something that happened 2,000 years ago, and that's one reason why I think a lot of people have a hard time uh, grasping onto the concept of the resurrection in their life and how that makes a difference. Because if it's just something that happened on the other side of the world, it might be good dinner table conversation at some point, but it's not really a big deal. But what if I told you that the resurrection of Jesus has direct implications on your life, immediate and transformative implications? Really? Well, if that's true, then that changes things. Because now I'm interested, what could this resurrection possibly have to do with me? I, I would like to know. 
the whole point of the resurrection of Jesus that we sometimes miss, and that I want to make sure we don't miss today, is that the resurrection of Jesus is a pathway to resurrection for me and for you. Let me say it simpler. Please don't miss this next sentence. Jesus isn't the only one who's, who resurrects in this story. Let me say it again. Jesus isn't the only one who resurrects in this story. The promise is that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's John 3.16, most quoted Bible verse in the whole world. If Jesus resurrected, and I believe he did, then his promise is that you can be raised to life too. Here's a scripture that teaches the lesson better than than I could in my own words. And so this is the Apostle Paul. He's in Romans chapter 6, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And he explains to you and me how the resurrection directly affects my life and your life. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 3. He says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life. Now you might need to read that a couple times to fully understand it. So please underline it, highlight it, go back and look at it later. But let's talk for a second about baptism. Okay, baptism is a living visual that is a beautiful picture. And it's funny because, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but baptism is the visual of a funeral. You ever thought about that? It's the visual of a funeral. Every person that we see becoming a Christian in the Bible gets baptized in water, laid down and buried and covered in water. This is the image of a funeral. And then they are risen out of that water into a resurrection life. That's resurrection. That's that's what baptism is a picture of, what God, God's doing in our life. Now, the church has argued about baptism for generations. There are countless denominations that exist because everyone thinks they got their own uh, you know, perfect understanding of baptism. I'm not going to do that today. I think we're all wasting our time about that. I think, I think that the point of the matter is this. You look at this and it is a good thing. This is an image that anyone who is in Christ can, can encounter the resurrection physically. Like I can tangibly touch some water and I can experience with my flesh and bone and skin the death of my old self and the raising to walk in new life. It's, it's, a, it's a step-by-step snapshot of us joining Christ in the resurrection. And we're told that we can then raise to walk in newness of life. Not that it just ends right there when we come up out of the water. but So I, I go there because Romans chapter 6 gives us this, this indication that we are invited to join in the resurrection of Jesus. And that when we're saved, then we put our faith and our hope in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. We are united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why this is of first importance. It's amazing. Back to our passage in Romans 6 this time. We're still in Romans 6 in verse 5. He says, For if we have been united with him like this in death, we will certainly also be united with him in a a resurrection like his. That united thing. Jesus' resurrection, it paved the way for new life that each of us can hold on to. And and this is about getting rid of the sin that drags us down and separates us from God. 
Jesus's death made that possible because he took the punishment for your sin and for my sin and he died with that. And then he invites us to join him in that death. Put it down. Put the old man, the old woman under the grave so that we can be resurrected to walk in newness of life. I just want to take a second right here. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you? Have you taken the opportunity to be baptized into him? I want to tell you, this is not a moment to talk about what the role of baptism is in our salvation. and What is the exact second of our salvation? No, this is like, how cool is it that we're invited to physically join him in his burial and resurrection? I want to invite you to consider that. And if you want to uh, make baptism something for you and, and, and accepting Christ something for you, Please reach out to me, somebody that you know that's a believer. Let's get that done. And and listen, we can connect, go to somewhere and baptize you. That's totally a possibility. But I had a friend this week who his daughter decided to accept Christ, and she got baptized uh, in their bathtub. And they FaceTimed their parents, and it was beautiful. Like, you don't need special sacramental garments to do this, and you don't have to be in some special tub. It's it's water. It's not the it's not the water. It's the pledge of a clean conscience to God, and it's, it's the opportunity to join Him and unite with Him. And so whatever step you are on the path of accepting Jesus, will you please take one of those steps today? Because this is the reason we have the Easter story. Because your promise to be united with him in resurrection. So we look again uh, in verse 6 of Romans chapter 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Ooh, crucified with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Is resurrection a big deal? Let me ask you a different question. Is being set free from slavery a big deal? Yeah. Is being relieved of the guilt of our sin a big deal? Yes. Think about these things, addiction, immorality, cheating and stealing and lying and abuse and dishonesty, like dishonesty, all the things in this world that make life miserable, and then the effects of sin in this world, disease, like what we're in right now, and death and suffering. These things are not obscure things happening in China on the other side of the world. This is the stuff that keeps us up at night and that ruins our lives. And Jesus is giving the hope of a release from all of that by inviting each of us into his resurrection. Now, the resurrection of Jesus was central to the early church. It is the heartbeat of our faith today because it's what God's grace does in our life. It's what happens when God's grace meets our life. Without Jesus, without the resurrection, I'm a dead man walking. But the day I gave my life to Jesus and I trusted in his resurrection, and I accepted his grace, I was resurrected and given a chance to walk in newness of life. And by the way, that resurrection begins now. Like there's this mentality I think we get from somewhere that like the resurrection and like eternal life, that begins after I die. Like after I'm an old grandpa and, you know, there's a graveside service. And then after that, I get to fly up on my little wings and get my little harp. And then I can begin eternity. No, eternity begins the moment that you are brought to life in Christ. That moment. Because you that's why Jesus teaches us things that we can do in this world now. That's why Jesus taught us, don't worry about things in this life. 
Don't be stressed out and super anxious. Yes, we should plan ahead and do this, but don't be overly anxious because ultimately God's in control. Because resurrection life begins now. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing that can be completely freaked out about. That's why he taught us to forgive others in this life. Because by doing so, we're adopting the heart of God. That's why he taught us generosity and selflessness and humility in this life. Because putting others first is what Jesus did, and it's the best way to teach us the heart of God. Like He wants us to do all this stuff in this life because eternity begins now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand now. And the resurrection life begins now. And even in the uncertain times that we're living in, we can see the resurrection of Jesus and it can bring us hope in our daily life. So, is resurrection a big deal? Yes. Because it's got implications in your life today, if each one of us would just accept it. So it's Easter. Enjoy Easter. Enjoy you know, I hope you had some Starburst jelly beans. Like, enjoy whatever festivities are part of your tradition every year. But know this, that of first importance is the resurrection of Jesus and the eternal life that brings us new life. Uh, I'd love to close today with the last two verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting in verse 57, it says, But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Happy Easter, everybody. Let's pray.